When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcat Podcast. I am your host, Mike Luke, joined by the great one, Mr. William Brad Alice. Hello, William. How are you? Uh, doing well, except the dog just all came out as soon as the broadcast started. So you may well, see uh, a, a little you, head pop up here or there. I was going to say, Brad, they want to have they want to have a front row seat. Um, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings. Right now, you got a really good deal going on. You put in one buck. You get a $150 play off of that. And 21 and pl- twenty-one over in Arizona, if you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only for the bet promotion, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Again, max $50 wager for a no-brainer offer. One per customer. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right, Brad, we're going to talk a little bit about DraftKings and some bets coming up here. But everybody's talking about where Arizona football is right now. And I think it's fair to say that it's at rock bottom. Is that fair to say, Brad? Yeah, we thought rock bottom was 70 to 7. And for many fans, that might still be. But um, losing, not only losing to NAU, but losing to a bad (laughs) NAU team. Uh, it's just inexcusable, to be honest. Okay, now I look at Arizona and I think to myself, let's look at the future. Because right now, there's there's nothing really to say about this. Now, Jed Fish has come in and he's recruited incredibly well. He's had a, a he's had a recruiting class where you've got, um, you know, you've got your quarterback that you wanted out of Servite High School in Noah Fafita. You've got Keon Burnett, the tight end or four-star kid who you transferred from USC. You've got a lot of different good players, Sterling Lane. You've got quite a few four-star kids that are being sold on absolutely having the ability to come in and play immediately. I got a two-part question. Is this recruiting class so far good enough? And second of all, what exactly is the, the game plan for being competitive again? You know, it's exceeded my expectations. Uh, you know, the two big questions I had about, well, I had a lot of questions about Jed Fish, but one was, could he recruit at a high level? Uh, and that's at like a Mike Stoops level. I think that's kind of where you minimum have to be. And, and the other was, can he coach? And I think, unfortunately, we're still trying to figure out if he can coach um, as a head coach at the college level. But the fact that they have, you know, I think it's now five guys that at least one recruiting service rates as a five, uh, four-star, um, mm-hmm. including two or three consensus four stars. When you look at their ability to go into uh, most notably Hamilton high school and, and place at Arizona, I don't can't remember ever getting more than one or two guys. Um, that's a pretty impressive uh, haul so far. And um, you know, so yeah, I think it's a good thing that Arizona has been able to do. Now they have to do more of it. They have to not fill the bottom of the class with uh, just, filler like like Sumlin and Richrod did 
Uh, they don't all have to be four stars, but I think you pretty much consistently, other than taking a flyer here and there uh, on a kid, is you have to uh, continue to fill with quality and uh, hope that they can bolster, because not only do you lack uh, a lot of talent, uh, but you lack absolutely lack depth. You lack depth and you lack top-end type players. Again, like you talked about, there's a thing with roster filler for sure, but what someone was bringing in was basically just to bring in guys, just to bring in guys. I think with Fish, and this is why I, this is why I think that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt right here because first and foremost, nobody thought Arizona football was going to be good this year. And if you thought Arizona football was going to be good this year, then that's pretty much on you because when, you know, when you're over or under, is it two and a half wins again, that's pretty much an issue. But Brad, it looks like he's being very specific in who he's going after, though. And I think that he was able to sell the pitch of playing time. And like you talked about, some of these kids are really good where you had offers from all over the country. Keon Burnett, uh, tight end out of Servite, Chester Burnett's kid, U of A uh, great, is a kid that could have played pretty much anywhere. I don't think that there's, there's any doubt about that. He was a USC commit. So he's recruiting the state of California very well. Zeke Berry from Concord de La Salle, another long angular cornerback. But if Arizona continues to lose and lose in the manner in which we might see, how difficult is it going to be to be able to keep some of these kids being that, you know what, it's going to be a long time before Arizona's good. Or can you just get them on the field and say, you know what, you're part of the reason that we're going to be good going forward. I think for the most part, you're already selling that. And that's why you see so many kids who came last weekend saying, I had a great time, uh, you know, great unofficial, uh, because they're they're looking at their place. And frankly, if you're Noah Fafita, you're more convinced than ever that you can come in, even as a five foot nine, 170 pound quarterback, you can come in and play D1 ball at Arizona sooner rather than later. If you're, um, you know, if you're these corners, you're. Yeah, as good as we all thought Kristen Roland Wallace is, you think you think Zeke Berry's are worried about him right now? I mean, I think if you're literally almost every one of these guys who's even remotely physically mature, you think you can come in and play. And um, unless you absolutely fall out of love with the coaches who are recruiting you, I think they'll keep most of them. They might lose one or two. Now, you hope it's not Burnett, Fafita, and you know, uh, you know Joe right. Coleman. But um, you know, if you lose one or two guys, it's not a big deal. That happens in every class. But I think we've seen it before. I th- you know, I want to argue that you know one of Stoops' best classes was his second or third class. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to look at Rich Rod, I think his second class, even though they were, you know, they when they were okay. Uh, but they, you know, they were able. So I think you are selling the program. They're not. I don't think any of them told these kids, "Look, hey man, we're going to win four games. We need you. We don't. You know, you don't want to trash your own kids, but you know they're sitting there. If you're an offensive lineman right now, somewhere in America, and, and this staff calls you, whether you're a JC guy, whether you're in the portal, they're saying, just, "Yeah, turn on the tape. You can come play right now." Um, so I think that's more important. Now, if we see, you know suddenly fights on the sideline, we see <laughs> right. dysfunction, um, then that could have a greater effect than wins and losses. Now, if they go out and maybe lose, I don't know, to Washington State 70-7, to 7, then, then maybe people are suddenly freaking out. Um, but I don't, you know, if they, I don't think anyone w- is going to be overly concerned if, if Oregon wins by 50 this weekend. That's just to be expected where they're at in this p- building process. So I think for the most part, 
they're going to be able to retain this class as long as they are being able to hold this staff together and as long as they're able to hold the bulk of this um, like program together. You know, if they have 25 kids leaving the transfer portal, then maybe uh, that's a problem. Even then, maybe these recruits are like, yeah, they just couldn't hack it. Let's talk Noah Fafita. So that's basically the guy that I think a lot of people are saying, can he come in and start next year? Here's a couple questions that I have about Fafita and the quarterback situation. I think it's fair to say by watching U of A quarterbacks right now, and we've watched a lot of bad quarterbacking over the years. Now, Brad, you're a few years older than me, so you've seen some you've you've seen some guys in the early nineties that were not uh were not ideal. Let's just put it that we'll put it that way. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I've seen some bad quarterbacks. And I've also seen when they've only carried two quarterbacks. And Correct. Suddenly, and suddenly you're pulling a safety to, to be your quarterback. Or you're putting Chuck Levy in and saying just run the ball each time. Jeff Hammerschmidt and Tyler, uh, Heath Bray played quarterback for this program on bowl teams. Right, for sure. Okay, so you've got, uh, you've got Gunnar Cruz. You've got Will Plummer. I've seen enough from both. And again, may, I'm not a quarterback coach, but I don't look at either one and say – that's probably the solution to Arizona's quarterback problem going forward. Have you seen enough to say that, or is it still too early in the game for you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I still have hopes that Gunnar Cruz might be able to evolve into a low-level Pac-12 starter. I saw enough from him in BYU to frankly wonder why he was so bad uh, against San Diego State. Um, but I've seen that Will Plummer play about five or six games and I don't see him as a as an FBS quarterback, at least not a Pac-12 right. quarterback. And, and from all accounts, he's a great kid. He works hard. Um, but last year, a lot of people loved him. I thought Grant Gunnell was better, and I'm not a Grant Gunnell fan. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't see it. Again, I think Gunner Cruz, when he has time to throw, and I don't know, again, I haven't broken down the tape. I don't know this offense yet. Um, but Gunner Cruz looked capable. Uh, against BYU, and maybe BYU got ultra-conservative in the second half. It didn't look like it, um, but he looked like a different kid against San Diego State, so I don't know what San Diego State was running. I don't know if they just spent three months getting Gunnar Cruz ready for BYU, but the fact that he suddenly went from first to third string seemed a little baffling, um, but I have seen enough from Will Plummer that at least this year I don't, and again, moving forward, I, don't, I just don't see it. Okay, uh, Noah Fafita then kid we've been talking about I, I put this akin to a little bit of I put this a little bit akin to when Mike Stoops took over and Rich uh, Richard Kovalchek was uh, Richard Kovalchek slash Chris Heavner were your starters and you know what everybody kind of knew that the guy coming in Willie Tuitama was going to be your quarterback so that made sense to me Kid comes in, he's a four-star QB, big, strong, 6'2", 215, look the part. Noah Fafita could be that guy, but there's also a lot more uncertainty. I think people kind of have a, a misunderstanding of the kind of prospect that Fafita is. He's a good player, but like you said, he's about 5'9", 170, and he's a guy who is not a highly rated kid. He's about your 41st, 42nd best QB in the country if you look at all the composite rankings. If Noah Fafita was 6'2", maybe even 6'1", I think he'd be a, a French four-star guy. Mm -hmm. um, but he's not. And again, I'm the uh, hey, I'm 5'6". My favorite quarterback of all time is Doug Flutie. Hey, I'm 5'8", um, dude. Take that. 
You're not five eight. I am five eight. I'm two inches taller than you. Oh, with the beard, man, you look six two. That's true, right? <laughs> But so I love short quarterbacks, and I would say that I think when they give, you know, I think Jonah Coleman gets underrated because he's short, because short doesn't equal durability. I know they always, that's the biggest myth in sports. If you're, look at Warwick Dunn. That guy could run between the tackles because that guy was 5'7", but he was 210, right? right? So, but at quarterback, it does matter. At the offensive line, height does matter as much as I don't want it to. Um so I do worry that he's short. And I, now I'm worried, are they going to be able to tailor the offense to him? Because you're going to have to sprint him out. You're going to have to roll him out. And frankly, he's not a thick 5'9". And that's the thing. So is he going to be durable enough right away? Again, height doesn't necessarily matter, but weight does. Um, yeah, I look at Gunnar Cruz, who's at 210, 220, and he still looks a little thin for my taste. Um, so I don't know if Noah Fafita can come in right away. It's tough enough for a quarterback to come in. This is uh, appears to be a complex system. Uh, so he has to come in, learn a system, learn the co- speed of the college game, learn the physicality of the college game, and then also be able to play at 5'9". And by then, maybe he will be 190. I think more than likely you're grooming him for his redshirt freshman year, his sophomore year. The bigger hope is can you go J.C.? Right. Is there a B.J. Danker out there? And right now I think we'd kill for a B.J. Danker. Um, or is there a transfer? And we know there are going to be quarterbacks in the transfer market. There always is. No one's patient. But can you get someone who's better, frankly, than Jordan McLeod, uh, who's better than Gunnar Cruz? Because while some people – there's you know there's this thing out there, well, he doesn't know how to evaluate quarterbacks. Look, he picked Gunnar Cruz and Jordan – no, that's all he could get. That's all Jed Fish could get. I mean, he – you have to be now be able to sell things on the field. And I think you can get a higher quality of, of quarterback. Now, can you get a, a guy who used to be a five-star who's leaving an Ohio State or leaving an Alabama or leaving a – I don't know if you can do that, but maybe you can get a guy who was a, a UCLA-type quarterback. Maybe you can get a guy who's a Texas Tech-type quarterback who can come in and, and play right away. Maybe they play one or two years, and then suddenly Fafita or whoever they get in the next class – is ready to play. I think that's the most realistic scenario. All right, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball coming up, but first and foremost, let's talk DraftKings right now. DraftKings has got a pretty nice little uh, deal going on that we just talked about. Again, you put in $1, $150 uh, free play out of that for any bet. All right, Brad, Arizona is right now, depending, is a 28.5-point underdog against Oregon. If I was going to bet on DraftKings right now, and I hate saying this, I would 100% take Oregon to cover that. I think Oregon's going to cover that very quickly, and DraftKings is the spot that I would go to. What do you think about that line? Based on what I've seen this season, I agree with you. I mean, if San Diego State can basically win, and San Diego State could have put 56 up on Arizona. I mean, Brady Hope called off the dogs in that one, or the Aztecs, or whatever. I I don't know. The dog hybrid Aztec. The winged serpents. He called them off. Um, Now, history would tell me this is when Arizona rises up, but this is a historically different Arizona team. So yeah, I think, uh, I think if I was dropping money and I absolutely never bet on my teams, I've learned that a long time ago. Um, Yeah. I, I, but I think if I had to take a play on this one, I think I agree with you. I, I would go ducks. I would go that. And you know what? If you're going to use your free play on that, you can get paid out some pretty nice money right there. It's up in Autzen. There's a lot going against Arizona right there. And like you said earlier, San Diego State called off the dogs. So just real quickly, and then we're going to get into some hoops. Um, 
Oregon football right now is pretty much the class of the conference, I think, across the board. And uh, Charlie, uh, what about Charlie Brewer? Well, Charlie Brewer, we just got somebody on YouTube that asked about Charlie Brewer, and uh, he's no longer at Utah. Um, I don't know that Arizona is going to be going after him. Did you uh, do you give any credence to that, Brad? Um, I'd be tough to take a guy who bailed on one program, went to another program, bailed on them at week four. Um, and I haven't seen enough from Charlie Brewer to make me think he's that good to, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't like the quarterbacks who move around all the time and I don't know Brewer's past, but you know, I know a lot of people were salivating. Well, could Arizona get Tate Martell? Tate Martell has played at like 94 schools. No, you don't want Tate se- Martell. In seven years. I don't like the guys who, I don't mind you moving once. You know, look, if you're Justin Fields or you're Joe Burrow and you know you're cool. not going to play. I get, I get it. I get that. But if you're Charlie Burrow and you're leaving Baylor, where you probably would have at least competed, and then you go to Utah, and then you get benched, and you leave, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I want my quarterback. Yeah, he's got to be the leader. So I don't mind you transferring once to a better situation. Um, but I don't want a guy who's moving around, who's played at five high schools, who's played at, uh, you know, three colleges, who's um, bailing on a team in week three. That that wouldn't be my uh, pick. Now, that being said, Charlie Burr probably be the best quarterback at Arizona. Uh, yes, he would. You know, it's funny. Quick story. When I saw C. Brewer for uh, Utah, I thought that that was Connor Brewer. And so originally I'm thinking, man, I'm like, they got Connor Brewer. They're dealing with an Arizona reject. I'm like, wow, things have really hit tough for Utah. But real quick on Oregon. Is Oregon right now the – I kind of think of them and I think of what Sean Miller did when he first took over and there was a pack power vacuum in Los Angeles where you know UCLA wasn't getting the in-city kids because they didn't like Ben Howland and, or the in-state kids. And Sean Miller stepped in and basically got all of them. Mario Cristobal, I think, is doing pretty much the same thing in Oregon right now. You look across his roster, he's got so many kids from L.A. that I think any other time would be at or- or at USC, your Kayvon Thibodeaux, your Justin Flows. So he's really been able to, I think, take advantage of the power vacuum that is the mess that is USC right now. You know, absolutely. And he's been able to take advantage of the cool factor of Oregon at the same time, I think. Um, I think they have been on top of some of the name and likeness things, even a couple of years ago where they said, Hey, it's on the horizon. Um, you know, br- ironically enough, the guy who's now at USC's head coach was there for a little bit. Um, he is surrounded. Cristobal has yet to show me. He's a great coach. He's starting to prove to me. He's a good coach, mm-hmm. but he has surrounded himself with elite recruiters. You know, Joe Salavea for a while, Dante Williams, you go down the line, and, uh, you know, they've also been able to take advantage of the power vacuum in the state of Arizona. Uh, they've been able to, to take advantage of the power vacuum in, in, in Seattle, not so much going into Seattle and recruiting heavily, but there was a time where Washington was picking off a lot of these kids. Right. Where Washington was going into L.A. and where Washington was going into. You're getting your Shaq Phoenix. Thompsons of the world and this and that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's been a perfect storm. And it may be the fact that eventually when SC does right the ship, um, that a lot like Arizona under loot, you suddenly have an equal player. And again, uh, he took over a program much better shape than Lute Olson did. Um, but Lute Olson, you know, and I think you could even argue that under Chip Kelly, they were the class of the Pac-12. But now you're getting now where you're becoming a generational power. 
I mean, right. these kids, these kids don't remember a time when Rich Brooks was trying to turn around Oregon like we do. Right. Um, you know, they've only known if they've known Bilotti, but they've only really known you know Chip Kelly and 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 now uh, Cristobal, and and that is a huge thing when you've put your stamp on a program and made it something it never was. Right. So for your draft, if you were going to do it, though, your draft Kings pick of the week again, mine is Arizona to lose uh, and to uh, Oregon to cover the 28 and a half up in Oregon. And you pretty much agree with me as well. Correct. Yeah. If I was touching that game, that's the, the direction I would go. Do you got any action on your Chiefs this week? Never. I can't. Chiefs only play weird games. So, no. They really do. It's funny. I was looking actually in the uh, I was looking in the first week and against the Cle- I thought the Cleveland Browns line was interesting. And again, you should be going to DraftKings and putting code word PHNX for all of this stuff. But I thought it was an interesting uh, uh, because Kansas City, I never know what they're going to really do. Sometimes it feels like in games they feel like you should win by fifty five points. They win by thirteen. And in other games where it feels like they're going to win by three, they blast them by thirty seven points. Here's what you know: something weird is going to happen. The Chiefs will ha- it will be close. Mahomes has only lost one double figure game, and that was the Super Bowl, uh, where he had no toe, no head, no line. Right. Um, but it, 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 I listened to a, I listened to a podcast through the Athletic, and that's their saying: the Chiefs only play weird football games. They could have easily lost Cleveland by fourteen, and they could have easily beaten Baltimore by fourteen, and uh, it was a one possession game kind of each way. Oh, so all right, so let's talk a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about uh, um, Arizona basketball going forward. And what I find fascinating about Arizona uh, Arizona basketball, I think they're going to be better than people think. I really do. I think that this is going to be a very, very good team right here. Um, I don't think they're going to be a top 10, top 15 team, but I think they're going to be a team that is going to flirt with the top 25. And I think they're going to be fun to watch there, Brad. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand this completely writing them off, considering they were a fringe tournament team last year. Um, you know, they lost two guys, but I don't know. I didn't love Akinjo. As good as he was, uh, I don't think he's the point guard of, of a very good basketball team because uh, I think he has to dominate the ball. And I like I like Jordan Brown and um, as a sixth man, but if you can't duplicate that, then you're, you're in some trouble. But if you look at this team, the only real question is, is Kirk Creesa a 35-minute-a-game point guard? And other than that, I mean, they're, they're, they've got players on the wing. You know, Obviously, they're going to be a little thin at the beginning of the season with, with Larson out for a while. Uh, but I expect the second-year improvement of Tabellus and of, of Mathurin, which is a pretty nice one-two punch. They've got size and depth uh, up front. Um, and, and the, you know, so a lot of it's just going to be how quickly can Tommy Lloyd put his system in, how quickly can they grasp it, and then what are his growing pains in an in invariably close basketball game mm-hmm. um, where you're having to, do I call my timeout? Do I put my guy with four fouls back in? Do I do this? Do I do that? Um, but I think when you look at the overall talent level, they're not on Oregon and, and, and UCLA's level, certainly. But I don't see a lot at the, in the middle of the pack that is significantly better. And I think some of them are significantly worse. And all right, so let's just go kind of position by position because we got the red-blue game coming up right here. Azulich, Tabellis, and Ben Matherin, I think, are going to be the keys to this team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. These are uh, These are both guys who... 
are, I should be all conference guys. And if they're not all conference guys, then they're going to be, they should be somewhere very near that. And if they're, and by, I look at stat lines, I'm thinking to myself, Tabella should be a guy, 18 points, nine boards, Ben Matherin, 17.6 rebounds, four assists, something to that measure. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think points could fluctuate, but yes, if if those two guys aren't among the two leading scorers on the team, then yeah, something happened, something went wrong. Um, you know, probably mean honestly, if they're not among the top two scorers, it probably means someone else blew up that we weren't expecting because we know what those guys can do. Uh, you know, when Tabellus kind of figured it out, you know, what, a couple weeks into the season, he was consistently a very good scorer and rebounder. And Matherin, when he was on, was an NBA lottery pick. The problem mm-hmm. was you just didn't know what you were going to get. But that's, you know, you always talk about the improvement freshman to sophomore year. For some guys, that is an improvement of their skill set. For others, it's just consistency. And that's what I think we need to see out of Matherin. I mean, he's a guy who can score 30 a game. But they can't have him consistently be a guy who only scores five a game. Right. They need him to be. And yeah, I think but, the consistency, the next level consistency is really what they need from him there, Brad. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, we've seen that with other guys. Um, so that is something we need to see. And if Tommy Lloyd is as good at player development as his reputation is, then I think we'll see a lot of that. Right. So I got to call. All right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about what we're looking at then when it comes to the U of A or when it comes to the rest of the roster, you got Kirk Creesa. He's going to be an interesting, he's going to be an interesting part right there to the equation because I don't know exactly what to expect. People hear the name Steve Kerr and they think to themselves are like, okay, well, you know, Steve, uh, he, he should be a next level type guy. I looked at Kerr last year and I thought he was a guy that was good. But I think a lot of people are really kind of hinging this on being something better than maybe him being better than he is. I I hope that he is that guy, but I I think a lot of people are putting a lot of expectations on him. You know, for me, you mentioned Steve Kerr. Let's take the shooting out of the equation because there's few people ever blessed with a right hand like Steve Kerr. Right. And one of them is his, his point guard at Golden State right now. And the other one's his shooting guard at Golden State right now. Right. But Steve Kerr as a point guard... Um, now, granted, they kind of played a dual combo guard system. People kind of forget that. It, Craig McMillan had the ball in his hands a whole lot as well. But here's what Steve Kerr did really well. It wasn't a high assist number. It was a low turnover number. Mm-hmm. Um, that team moved the ball. So I think he, what was he, a three-to-one guy, four-to-one guy? Now, he only aver- you know, he didn't average a ton of assists. He wasn't putting up eight or nine a game, but he ran the offense. He got the ball, you know, usually to the hot hand, which usually meant it was going to Sean Elliott. Um, but that's what they need. They need in 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 the football parlance. They need a game manager. Mm-hmm. They don't need a guy who can take over the game, uh, pound the ball into the court, find his shot. They need a guy who can find the open man, or who can find the guy who can find the open man. They need a guy who keeps the ball from becoming stagnant. They need a guy who can direct the offense, and that is what they need. Um, and if that comes all from him, or if it's you know a, a combination where you're using another player, whether that's, uh, you know, Pella Larson at the two, whether that's Matherin at the three, whether that's Dallin Terry at the three, you know, kind of like Arizona did with, with other guys, whether it was Luke Walton, whether it was Solomon Hill, that's what they need. They just don't need him turning the ball over six times. They don't need him putting up 15 shots when he's, when he's shooting 20%. They need Kirk Creasy to be a very smart, 
consistent player who can keep that offense moving. And if they do that, then I think they'll be fine. Yes. So you've got those three guys right there. And you mentioned Terry. Terry, to me, is a little bit of the uh, the wild card right here because you look at him. He's really long. He's athletically gifted and he's got a pretty good feel for the game as well, Brad. I think of Dalen Terry and I think of a guy that isn't going to be maybe all conference, but I think he's a guy that could be 10, 5 and 4, a little bit of that Andre Iguodala type template. You know, when at the beginning of the year, I actually thought he looked like the best pro prospect. Um, obviously, quickly, M- M- Matherin uh, kind of ex- started excelling. But to me, he looks like a 3 and D guy. If he can get that shot a little more consistent, he's long, he's athletic. Um, but I think he's a very nice complement uh, to that offense. He's mm-hmm. a guy who can score 16. But if he scores 6, you're not, you're not doomed. Right. You know, he can play the 3. He can play the 2. Um, I think he can be used in a variety of places. Hopefully his defense continues to improve so you can put him on uh, slightly bigger players. You know, that 6-7 kind of combo four that Oregon's going to trot out there. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think you need him to be more than a role player. But, yeah, the fourth or fifth option, I think you're fine. And, again, that's when Arizona's a great basketball team, that's their secret. It's not that they, you know, it's that they have two or three NBA players. But it's that they have seven other guys who can all fill those roles and do very good things and occasionally rise up and have a star performance. If you like what you're hearing, you should definitely check us out on the AZ Wildcats podcast right here. We're going to have you check it out on Apple and Spotify. We're going to have guys like Brad Allison all the time. And you should go to the GoPHNX website where you can get a lot of good merchandise, a lot of great uh, uh a rating a lot of great videos from pretty much everywhere it's kind of like uh you know our parents up in dnvr we're uh, really trying to make this one work and it's gonna work so hop on that board while you can all right so brad red blue game coming up here shortly and i think a lot of people are taking a bit deep breath thinking about that one what do you what do you look for in games like that especially to where you've got a new coaching staff in play and I don't think a lot of people know what to expect. Is there anything to expect or is it just something where you're going to have a good time and watch it? Uh, I just, you know, honestly, I just want to see guys who didn't play as much last year, see what their athleticism look at like, see well, uh, if, if any of the guys' bodies look significantly different. Um, Cause again, it's a red blue game. It's a scrimmage. Um, we get fooled all the time. Bo Mulebach, 35 points. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I fell for that too. I thought he would be a good player for sure. So I thought he'd Johnson. be a yeah, I thought he'd be a role player, but uh, I didn't think he'd be gone in in a, in a month. So I'm not, you know, super worried. But you know, if yeah, if Ben Mathers hit the side of the basket on a backboard on every right. shot, or if you know, um, you know Tubelis looks fat. I don't anticipate any of that, by the way. But right. no, I don't take a whole lot um, because again, they're only a few months into this thing. They're playing each other. These guys all know each other. Um, it's not like we're going to see Tommy Lloyd on one sideline, you know, breaking down X's and O's in the final minute of the game. I'm assuming it's going to be Murph versus, um, you know, one of the other assistants, uh, probably Robinson, although I could see Robinson and, and Lloyd actually sitting off to the side, kind of like Loot and Roz sometimes did and watching mm-hmm. the, you know, so it could be, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it Foy? Is it Foyus? Uh, I'm just calling him Ricardo. Okay, Ricardo, Ricardo F. Uh, so my guess is he and Murph might be the two guys running the teams. But um, yeah, so I don't more than anything. I just want to see basketball, and I want to see again how you know how, how does Matherin look a little older and more mature? Does 
you know, Tabellas look like you put on some some muscle. Um, the the Omar Balo, how does you know does he look like Zeus or does he just look like Hulk Hogan? Right, um, you exactly. know, that that's really what I want to see. You know, does Talentary look a little a little better? Um, you know, assuming some of the you know, unfortunately Larson's not going to play. He's one of the guys I really wanted to see. Uh, you know, Adama Ball, who we might not see much this year. How athletic is he? That's really more what I'm looking at than than results. Because again, we've seen it where the the reserves have blown out. You know the starters when they've broken them up that way, and then Arizona goes on to be a 30-win basketball team. We've seen other times where they've looked great, and they've been a 22-win basketball team. We've seen times when both sides look bad, and, and they've been a 27-win team. So you just never know. It's a scrimmage. All right, as always, this show is like I thought, brought to you by DraftKings. Get in that code word PHNX, one dollar down for a hundred and fifty dollar free play. Brad, are you into gambling at all? Uh, I, I like the concept of gambling more than I actually like pulling the trigger. Right. Um, I have a little notebook and I ever said, if I get over a certain percentage, then I'll start risking. And, and I've always been just South of that number, but not by much. Well, the great thing about though DraftKings is that you're basically, you're going to get a lot of free plays right here. So a lot of people worry about, you know, losing that money. Hop on to DraftKings and allow them to be able to help you out by giving you some free money. Sure, you're going to maybe put your $1 at stake, but you know, at the end of the day, is that really the worst thing if you get 150 bucks to play with? I might have taken advantage of your deal and put some futures on a certain quarterback. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, I was going to MVP. Brad's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and he's a real Kansas City Chiefs fan, not one of these Seattle Seahawks uh, Johnny-come-latelys. So, um, again, hop on to DraftKings, code word PHNX. And you know what? Brad just said that he put in something on maybe a future bet on a quarterback. And you know what? Brad's a guy that doesn't do this all the time, but Brad felt comfortable enough maybe hopping on, on DraftKings. And if Brad felt good enough, uh, you should as well. But, Brad, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, another uh, OG in the industry, uh, Steve Rivera, is going to be hopping on tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, as well, Steve's always. Steve's an OG. <laughs> Steve is an OG for Schuster's sure. Schuster's an OG. Those guys mentored me, and that's the only reason I say that. It's not that. Well, with Shu, it is an age joke. But those guys mentored me when I first broke in mid-20s, had no idea what I was doing. And uh, some would say I probably still don't know what I'm doing. But, yeah, between uh, you know between Steve Rivera, John Schuster, John Mordich, who's no longer in the industry, Charles Durenberger, who's now in Texas, uh, those guys uh, really showed this young kid who didn't know what he was doing um, how to be a professional and, and, and how to do it the right way. And I think I tried to do that. And um, but So, yeah, Steve's, Steve's good people, even though he doesn't want – pretends that he's not – uh, but correct. Steve is good people. And, Steve is, uh, Steve he may really be aware good. of uh, some of the drafting specials, too. He's a good guest to have. He, he, he very much will be. But, Brad, really appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you next week, my man. Sounds good. Anytime. You know that. Okay. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.